Next disclaimer is this. Uh, in a five-week sermon series, we're just scratching the surface on this topic. Here's an excellent resource by a former uh, professor at Dallas Theological Seminary, Jack Deere. Uh, and the book is called, Why I Am Still Surprised by the Power of the Spirit, Discovering How God Speaks and Heals Today. I cannot recommend a more comprehensive, biblically grounded, yet accessible resource on the topic of how God speaks and heals today. This is in the bookstore. Uh, it's not a bookstore. We have a table in the foyer, and all the books are $10, so you can get this cheaper. We're not making any profit off of this. Jack Deere isn't telling me. Uh, I don't even know Jack Deere, but I love the guy. And go, go get his book after the service, all right? If you have any questions, it'd be great. So last week, if you were here, last week we looked at the direction of God's voice. Why does God speak? And we answer that by asking another question. Well, who does God speak to? We see that. Jesus calls us friends. His disciples friends. He speaks with friends, family, and fishers of men. And this week, we're going to look at discerning God's voice. How do we know when it is God speaking to us? If you have your Bibles, turn to Acts 2. Acts 2, 14 through 18 is where we'll be at in the service. And while you're turning, man, who here is so excited, excited for uh, playoff football today, this afternoon? Okay, only people in this corner. Man, we don't have a football church. Okay, anyways, I don't know if you know this, but the NFL playoffs are this afternoon and this evening. I'm super excited to watch the Chiefs play the Bengals. It's going to be a great game. And uh, with me, with playoff football, I anticipate the food, maybe get some pizza, some wings, cheat on the diet a little bit, the fellowship, who I'm going to be hanging out with. And I'm excited to see what happens. I'm excited to, to, to see some Patrick Mahomes throw some touchdown passes, okay? And um, as you should be too, because he's amazing. Now, sometimes, maybe, just maybe, these past two Sundays, not because I've been preaching, but because of the testimonies that have been glorifying God and showing that our God is not silent, but he's alive and active and present by his spirit, you might be saying, man, I'm excited to hear some testimonies today. And you're going to hear one at the end. It's, it's a good one. It's a doozy. I, I heard it this week in my community group, and I was like, you are going to share that whether you like it or not at community group. And uh, you might be excited. You got your coffee, like I do up here, because you may need some help. Uh, some coffee, your journal, you got the fellowship, and you're just like, man, I'm going to hear some testimonies, I'm going to get fired up about God. Now, here's what I want to shift us from, is that we are not in the stands when it comes to hearing the voice of God. We are in, on the field. So we don't have to come here and watch others throw touchdown passes and catch touchdown passes. All of you are eligible receivers for the voice, yeah, amen, to the voice of God. So I don't have to anticipate and say, man, I wonder what it would be like to get a touchdown pass. No, I'm going to run a route expecting that I'm on the field and God very well may, by his spirit, use me to advance his kingdom by his voice. And so I want to shift our thinking from, oh, I can't wait to, to see or, or have somebody else talk about a touchdown pass. And we need to shift that to say, no, I'm on the field and I want to learn how to receive a pass because the Lord, the Holy Spirit hasn't gone into retirement. Amen. The book of Acts is our blueprint for how the kingdom of God advances in love and power. He's still moving. He's, he's still speaking. He's mentioned 59 times in the book of Acts, and almost close to 40 of those times, the Holy Spirit has a voice, and he's speaking to his people in dreams and visions and voices. Um, so with that said, the truth of our text today in Acts chapter 2 is that everybody gets to play. Everybody's on the field. If you're taking notes, I have three points of my sermon and then a testimony. One, everybody in the family of God gets to hear God's voice. Secondly, not everything is God's voice. That's a big one there. We're going to hang out there for a little bit. Thirdly, well, how can we then discern God's voice? Everyone gets to hear God's voice in God's family. Not everything is God's voice. So then how can we learn to discern God's voice? Acts 2, 14 through 18, we'll read it and then pray. This is, uh, the context is Pentecost, and I'll explain more after we read. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. He's saying, listen up. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day, 9 a.m. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on male servants and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. Quick sign up for our prayer. It says, in those days, not day. 
Amen. We'll talk about that more in a little bit. Let's pray. Father, we, we love you, Lord. We thank you for your love for us, and love always draws near. It's your heart for your people, Jesus, is to draw near, to get as close as possible by your indwelling presence, your spirit inside of us, is to draw near to us and get as close to us as you can. That's how much you love us. Love always manifests in proximity, and you have drawn near. God, who are we that you, the king of kings, we want to draw near to us. So come, Holy Spirit, soften our hearts where we've gone cold and apathetic to you, where we've chased after other things and we've run away from you who's been chasing after us all the days of our lives. And Lord, in this few moments, God, would you just stir our affections again for you? Would you call us to return to a greater love, to greater depths of of joy and our knowledge of you and our walk with you, God. And Lord, we thank you that, that, that we don't come to a cheap God, a stingy God. There's always more with you, Jesus. There's always more. There's more grace. There's more compassion. There's more kindness. There's more mercy. Every day your mercies are new, the scriptures say. You're a God of abundance. You're the God of abundantly more than all we could ask, think, or imagine. So we glorify you. We bring glory to your name, God. Would everything that's said from this stage bring glory to you? And would our eyes be fixed on you today and nothing else? In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. All right, first point of my talk is this, is everyone gets to hear God's voice. Often, and maybe this is true for you, is as we've been navigating these last four weeks, now week five, on hearing the voice of God, we believe God still speaks today. Of course he still speaks, right? Oh yeah, of course, like spoke to that person, spoke to that person. I get it, I get it, right? We hear stories, missionaries, boom, all that stuff, right? Of course he speaks. The issue we face is, well, does God still speak to me? That's the issue. That's, that's kind of the point of tension where it's like, hey, I don't think I've really heard God's voice. I, I believe he still speaks, but that's well and good for other people. It's just not well and good that he speaks to the like, likes of me. And the truth of scripture, the truth of our text today is that if you belong to God, if you're united to Jesus Christ by faith, which means that you are filled with the spirit of God inside of you, that you and I, man, we have the ability to hear God's voice. So returning to Acts 2, our text today, the context is the day of Pentecost. And in 2021, we went through a sermon series on Acts, so you, hopefully you know how this story goes. But when Jesus ascends to the right hand of the Father, there comes this beautiful moment where the disciples and other believers are gathered in the upper room and Jesus receives the promised Holy Spirit and he pours out the Holy Spirit upon the church. And like it says in Acts 2, like a mighty rushing wind, a whirlwind, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God enters that room. Visible flames of fire are resting over people's heads and they all start speaking in tongues. It's a wild scene, wild scene. And it's so wild, it's so wild that outsiders, as this has continued for a long time, outsiders are watching this and saying, this is what drunk people look like, right? Like y'all are drunk. That's their only naturalistic explanation for what's happening is y'all are wasted. I I don't know what kind of coffee you're drinking at 9 a.m. Someone slipped some Baileys in there or what's happening, but y'all are gone, like gone. And so what does Peter say? So Peter's speech in Acts 2 is a response to that indictment. And you know what Peter says? Peter says this, guys, I am so sorry. This is super weird. And I promise this will never happen again. I know this weirds you out. I know it creeps you out. Uh, The Holy Spirit's a gentleman. He would never do anything like this. Come on, somebody. I'll never make you feel uncomfortable again as much as it depends on me and the other apostles, we will shut this mess down because this is an embarrassment to the church. It's not what Peter says. That ain't, you can never find any apostle saying that about the ministry of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. I'm just sorry, you can't. It's not there, it's not in the book. If it was in the book, I would preach that to you. It ain't in the book. Peter doesn't say that. What Peter says, what Peter says is this, welcome to the new covenant age. That's what he says. That's his speech. 
He's saying, he's saying two things. This is what is happening, and here's who to blame. He's saying, this is what happened. You guys know Prophet Joel? You guys read the scroll? Heard the scroll read in the synagogues? The Prophet Joel, what did he say? He said, in the last days, the Spirit of God will be poured out on all flesh. We'll talk more about that in a little bit. He says, this is, we are in the last days, is what he's saying. He's saying, Peter's saying, in the first century, welcome to the last days. The last days are that period of time between the first coming of Jesus and the second coming of Jesus. Church, we are currently in the last days, in case you didn't know that. In between Christ's first coming and his second coming, Jesus could come this afternoon. Let it be, you know? Maybe I could watch the Chiefs game and then come. You know, whatever. I don't know. I'm sorry. Right? So what Peter is saying is, this is what's happening. The Messiah, whom you crucified, who you need to receive the forgiveness of your sins, he has ushered this in. You want to know who's to blame for this? It ain't the alcohol. It's the Holy Spirit. No, no, sorry. It's Jesus. It was Jesus. Pentecost was Jesus' idea. Prophecy was Jesus' idea. The Holy Spirit speaking through dreams and visions and voices. That's Jesus' idea. He gave us the gift of the Holy Spirit. Jesus gave his life, his breath, so that the church could have the presence of God in their midst. We always, like, and, and you, you'll, you, hopefully you hear me preach the gospel. The gospel, Christ crucified for sinners. And there's one way to salvation in Jesus Christ and his atoning sacrifice on the cross. But the story doesn't end there. He's resurrected, and the story doesn't end at his resurrection. He ascends. And what happens when he ascends? The presence of God fills the temple, the Holy Spirit. So now you and I are the place where God's spirit dwells. And what I'm getting at is this. I'm getting off my notes here. I'm all fired up. Sorry. Is this, is in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, whenever you read about the Holy Spirit coming upon people, it's select individuals, few and far between. It's a prophet, maybe a king, maybe this leader. And when you go read, go, go take my word for it, I don't have too much time to talk about all the instances. And when you see it say in the Old Testament, and the Holy Spirit came upon this individual, it says, and then they prophesied. Prophecy, what's prophecy? Human report of divine revelation. The Holy Spirit comes upon people, and they immediately start speaking on behalf of what God is revealing to them. Numbers 11, go read it. Moses hanging out with the 70 elders. The Holy Spirit falls upon the 70 elders. And then what does it say? They all prophesy. 1 Samuel 19, go read 1 Samuel 19. Saul, King Saul is chasing down David. David goes and hides out in a genius hiding spot. He goes and hides out with a bunch of prophets, okay? And he goes to Nioth and Ramah. And uh, I think that's how you pronounce it. Uh, and he goes there, and King Saul gets word that he's there. And so King, what does King Saul do? He's trying to kill him. I'm sending messengers to where David's at. He sends a group of messengers. The Holy Spirit comes upon him. What do they do? They all start prophesying. Saul gets word of it. He's going, what, what in the world's going on? He sends, he sends round two. He sends around three, each group of people that Saul sends, the Holy Spirit says, comes upon them, they start prophesying. And then Saul, go read, go, go do your homework. Numbers 11, 1 Samuel 19, go read it right now. I'm preaching. And then King Saul himself is so fed up, he goes. And he's like, I'm taking care of this. I know where he's at. I'll, I'll, I'll take the guy out. He goes, do, 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 boom. Holy Spirit falls upon him. He's on the ground for a day, naked, prophesying. That's in your Bibles. And the reason I share that is this. I'm not talking about that part. But what I'm talking about is that there's a direct one-to-one -one correlation when you see the Holy Spirit come upon someone in the Old Testament. It was selected, but there's a one-to-one -one correlation. When the Holy Spirit would come, they would prophesy. The speaking God who's present by the Spirit would start speaking, and they would start speaking on behalf of the revelation they're getting. And that's what leads us to our text in Acts 2, where one of the most beautiful blessings of the New Covenant age is the indiscriminate outpouring of the Holy Spirit, that upon profession of faith in Christ Jesus, Jesus, whether you are young or whether you are old, whether you are male, whether you are female, whether you are rich, whether you are poor, if you are covered by the blood of Jesus and filled with the Spirit of God, you can hear God's voice. There it is, Acts 2, I will pour out my Spirit on the church. The church will be filled with my spirit, and where my spirit is, there I am leading and guiding them. The voice of the shepherd is with them. That's what we see in scripture. And the reason I shared that is as Bible-believing Christians, we often don't know what the whole, like, how the Holy Spirit manifests and changes our lives. Like often, because there's not a lot of teaching on the Holy Spirit, we believe like, hey, like, I believe I have a spleen. I hope you do too. And I got to be honest, I know it's there. I have no idea what purpose it serves, <laughs> right? But hey, I take it in faith. It's there. It's important. And I will give my life to say that my spleen is important, but I don't know how that functions, right? But if you look at the activity of the Holy Spirit, study the activity of the Holy Spirit. Go do it yourself. In the Old Testament and the New Testament, when the Holy Spirit is mentioned, what is the, person, the, the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit, doing? 
more often than not, the Holy Spirit is speaking. He's leading and guiding his people. He's giving revelation. And this is what we see in Scripture, where the Holy Spirit is received, so is the opportunity to receive revelation from God. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, who's a very famous 20th century preacher in the Reformed camp, who is also a continuationist, he talked about the immediate and the direct witness of the Holy Spirit to believers. And I'm getting this from R.T. Kendall. R.T. Kendall was Martin Lloyd-Jones' successor and wrote an amazing book called Holy Fire, a book on the Holy Spirit, highly recommend it. And um, some people in certain camps will believe that the Holy Spirit can only speak indirectly to you, that the Holy Spirit will only speak indirectly through the Word of God. And you've heard me give a sermon on the Word of God and our stance on the Word of God, and that any new covenant revelation yields and bends its knee first to the revealed Word of God. Amen? So go listen to that sermon if you have any questions about where we stand on that. But the case that Martin Lloyd-Jones makes from the Scriptures is that the Holy Spirit can speak immediately and directly to his people whenever he pleases. Philip, go chase down that chariot. Paul, go to Macedonia. Ananias, go pray for lay hands on Saul. Uh, Peter, go to Cornelius, so on and so forth. We just see the Holy Spirit directly, immediately talking to his people. And so what I'm getting at is this, and then we'll go to the second point, is regardless, this is why I'm sharing that, regardless of the limiting labels we place on ourselves, if we're in Christ Jesus, we have received the Holy Spirit and therefore are qualified to hear the voice of God. God says, my sheep know my voice. And this should change our expectations of what God wants to do in and through us. And so what that means is this, is that this afternoon, maybe tonight, maybe sometime this week, you'll begin to hear God speak in ways that he's never spoken to you before. Maybe you'll get a dream from God, that we're going to share a testimony about this at the end here, a dream from God for someone you love. And God's inviting you to go advance his kingdom and build that person up by that word, right? God is a God of abundantly more. If we are to commanded to pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that we prophesy, 1 Corinthians 14.1, it means that God has more in store for you. It means that God has more in store. How could we desire more if there isn't more that God wants to do through us? And so that very well could be our trajectory as followers of Jesus. We're not chasing experiences. We're not chasing cool stories. We're chasing loving Jesus and making that love known to those around us. And as we do that, the Holy Spirit will empower us by his voice to go and do that. And so what if we get rid of the limiting labels like, oh, I'm an Enneagram this, so God can't speak to me you know, or whatever, and say, no, I'm a child of God, I'm qualified, and God, if you're still speaking, I want in, I raise my hand, I want, I want to get on the field, okay? So one, we see that um, the first point is this, is everyone in God's family is qualified to hear his voice. Jesus says clearly in John 10, my sheep know my voice, but secondly, this needs to be, to be said, not everything is God's voice. Can I get an amen? Three sources of revelation of a, a thought that crosses your mind, right? Sometimes the, the voice of God can sound like a still, small whisper in, in your mind, like a thought that flashes across your mind. And I'm a coffee addict. I love coffee. And when the thought in the morning comes, flashes across my mind and says, Nick, drink freshly roasted coffee. Do you, <laughs> Let me ask you this. Is that voice from God? Yes, it is. 1,000% it is. No, of course not. That's a Nick thought, right? That's my body, like, just being conditioned, like Pavlov's dog, right? Drink coffee, drink coffee, drink coffee, drink really expensive coffee, really good coffee, okay? It's not the Lord. So how can we discern? Well, one, there's three sources of revelation. We believe in a supernatural worldview. We believe in the unseen realm, uh, that there is a kingdom of God and that there's a kingdom of the demonic. And they're both actively at war with each other and that both of those unseen kingdoms can actually influence the scene. And actually, those two kingdoms are uh, both seeking to advance their kingdoms through human agents. That's like, that's like Christianity basics. That shouldn't be new information to us, right? Like those kingdoms are at war. We're in the middle of a war, and both of those unseen kingdoms, how that warfare manifests is through you and I being influenced by the supernatural. Okay, so sources of revelation in our life could be just our thoughts. It could be God, and it could be demonic. We have to have that framework. And the spectrum, there's kind of a spectrum we get stuck in whenever we talk about the unseen influencing the seen realm. And one end of the spectrum is this, is that 
nothing is ever God speaking. Nothing is ever the demonic speaking. There is no supernatural realm. Or, or we believe as Christians that there is a supernatural realm, but I'm untouchable to it by God or by the demonic. And so nothing is ever God. So therefore, I don't ever have to try to discern God's voice because God's not speaking. He's not, like, that's, that's not how that works. And the devil surely ain't going to give me any thoughts. So, like, so that's where, that's a, a, an angle we can go. And the other end of the spectrum is, okay, well, instead of it be, um, oh, let me say this too. And honestly, if we're honest with ourselves, that's kind of our natural default setting, right? Like, I'll, guilty, I'll just talk about, I'm cheat, like, telling myself up here, is uh, prone to skepticism, you know, not wanting to be seen as naive or, or this kind of Christian, right? And so my default setting is nothing is ever anything spiritual. It's all natural. All it is is just my, my thoughts, okay? A large majority of our stuff is just our stuff and just our thoughts, but not all of it. The second error I think we can fall into, that's an error. I, I, don't, I don't think um, you can believe that as a Christian, a Bible-believing Christian. Secondly, the other error we can fall into is not just that, like, nothing is God, but then we can run over here and say, uh, now that we believe God is speaking, everything is God speaking. And then you'll hear a story of, like, okay, so... Uh, I was looking at the clouds, and it looked like a bunny. And so I went and got blue bunny ice cream because God was telling me that I needed some more chocolate ice cream. You know, I'm like, how did you get from clouds to ice cream? What is happening? Like, we're in fantasy world at that point, right? You're, like, you're discerning the clouds to figure out, like, that's not, that wasn't God. That was just nature, all right? Like, and that's funny. That's a funny example, but there are countless stories. Like, let's just be honest. In the news of people doing horrific evil, claiming God told them via a dream or an audible voice that God spoke to them to do this horrific evil. Countless, I mean, you, don't, you do not have to look far to see that, of people claiming that they heard something, and they probably did. It wasn't God, maybe it was themselves, maybe it was the demonic, but they said it was God. And so that, begs the question, well, before we go about begging the question, so we can go over here where everything is God's voice, and no matter what thought flashes across our mind, it has to be God, so we're going to act upon it and do things that are completely against what Scripture says. Or we can go over here and do nothing, where the land we live in is, I think we just have to be willing to live in the mystery of some things very well might be God. Some things very well might be God speaking to us. Right? That's the tension we have to live in when we start actually practicing what we believe as as orthodox christians like just like orthodox I mean like just evangelical bible believing christians that this is actually how the world works not just theology this is actually how the world works this is how god operates with his people and so we have to as bible loving bible believing christians to have that framework that something's very well might be god passing the ball to us and one of the reasons we want to do this sermon series is so that we, are, we know we're eligible receivers and we expect God to be throwing the ball to us so we're not just constantly just living our life and just balls getting hit in the back of our head. We're out, boom, man, I don't know what that was. Boom, I don't know what that was. Man, I, God doesn't speak today, boom. And the, he's like throwing Aaron Rodgers line drives at our head, but we have no framework that the fact that, hey, that actually might be God. Right, oh, where do you see that in Bible? Well, how did Samuel learn to hear the voice of God? He went and talked to Eli like twice and then finally, no, three times. And Eli was like, yo, dude, I think that's the voice of God. He kept getting hit in the head, didn't know it was God speaking. Hit in the head three times with an audible voice. And then Eli's like, dude, wise is up. That's God. Start talking to him, dude. So how do we discern God's voice? That's the million-dollar question. It's not everything isn't God's voice. Don't want to go there. We don't want to go where nothing is God's voice, but some things very well might be God's voice. So how do we discern God's voice? Anyone here remember the days before caller ID? Phone rings, you're at the house, you're in junior high, nobody can get the phone, you really hate talking on the phone, but you're like, dang it, someone's yelling at you from the back, pick up the phone, and you go pick up the phone, and you say hello, and then someone on the other end of the line immediately starts talking to you like you know who they are. Anyone been there? They just assume you know who they are? And you probably know they're like a distant relative, like your, their, your aunt or something. You just don't know which aunt is talking to you. And anyways, you have a decision to make. Do you stop them and interrupt them and say, hey, who is this? And they're like, who, like what? I'm your aunt so-and-so, you know? Or do you just kind of go along with it and try to figure it out along the way? And then you're asking some questions. Okay, who 
Well, there you go. Question number one. Who does this voice sound like? What are they saying? Where is this conversation going? Who else can, hey, can I put this on speaker? Yo, Jake, come over here. Hey, who, who is this? Oh, okay. Hey, Aunt Cindy. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I, I knew it was you the whole time, you know? So how can we discern? Because here's the deal. Watch this. In that moment, with no caller ID and no introduction, you just get the voice. It's unseen. You don't know. You don't know who's on the other end of that line. You don't know who's there. It's unseen. All you have is the revelation. All you have is the voice speaking. So then you have to do your due diligence to humbly and faithfully discern who's on the other end of that receiver. So first question is this of discernment. I'm going to look at four to five questions this morning, and then we'll wrap up. Who does this voice sound like? John 10, 4 through 5. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from, for they do not know the voice of strangers. So returning to that phone call illustration, when it's a stranger on the other end of the phone line or a distant relative, what happens when it's your mom? When it's your father? You pick it up, and all you do is you hear the tone of their voice, and you immediately discern who that is. You've been walking with that person for a long, long time. And so what I'm getting at is point number one of how do you begin to grow in discerning the voice of God? Man, discernment comes and is fostered through relationship. It's, it's less about your ability to discern and more about your affection for God. And we've been saying this the whole sermon series. We're not pointing you to a skill. We're not pointing you to an ability. We're not pointing you to the voice of God. We're pointing you, we're inviting you to love God more. Pointing you to a person, not a practice. And so the key to discernment is, do I love the good shepherd? Do you tarry with him in prayer? Do you get in your word and fellowship with him in the word and, and with worship and the fellowship of the saints? And the longer you walk with the good shepherd, the more you begin to discern his still, his small, his humble, his compassionate, his kind voice in your life. And the more you get to know his heart, the more you get to see his heart, the more you get to experience his heart, the more you'll be immediately begin to identify the voice of the accuser and say, that's not Jesus. That's the accuser of the brethren, not the savior of the brethren. That's the thief, not the shepherd. That's the thief coming to steal, kill, and destroy, not the shepherd inviting me to follow him into new life. And so you can't marinate, you can't marinate discernment. It comes about through a lifetime of loving fellowship with God. You want to grow in discerning God's voice? Man, just get after abiding with God through the disciplines. Super simple. It takes time as you begin to just open up your heart to him, begin to be yielded to his voice, listening in his word, in prayer, and you begin to learn his heart. You get his heart. And when you get his heart, when you understand his heart, then you'll be able to discern if that voice is him or your sinful flesh or something else. Secondly, so first thing is, who does this voice sound like? What's the heart behind this voice? Is it the accuser of the brethren? Is it me or is it my precious Savior, the shepherd of the sheep? Secondly, is what is this voice saying? What are they talking about? What's the point of this revelation? 1 John 4, 1 through 4 says this. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. That, this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and, and now is in the world already. So I just opened up a huge can of worms right there with that verse. And there's a lot here uh, that we don't have time to talk about. But the main thrust of this is if you want to discern the source of a revelation of something, it comes from simply asking, what's the content of what they're saying? Is this prophetic utterance glorifying Jesus? Is it leading to obedience of Christ? Love of Jesus? Love of, of Christ? Or is it something like grossly demonic? Like some prosperity gospel nonsense? Or some new revelation on prayer? And we write a book about it because an angel visited me. And it's called The Courts of Heaven, and it's leading countless millions astray. That's out there. I had a visit from an angel. I got this new revelation on heaven. We got it all wrong. No, Jesus got it right in Matthew 6. It's called the Lord's Prayer. We don't need new revelation on, on prayer, right? That's demonic. So what is the content 
of what is being said, whether to you personally, say I had a dream, or somebody else is coming to you and saying, I feel like the Lord said this. Seth Shook, our elder, at one of our men's Bible studies, uh, every Wednesday at 6 a.m., uh, we meet either here at the church or at my house, and we talk about the sermon text that will be preached uh, the coming week. And uh, Seth Shook had this great uh, thought as we were um, talking about the Bible uh, of God. It's God's, it's God's voice. This is God's voice. You want to hear God's voice? Here it is. Open your Bibles. This is God speaking. It's living and active by his spirit. And Seth Shook said this. He said, the Bible is our anchor and our filter. And I'm giving credit where credit is due. Sometimes I don't quote people for a men's Bible study, but this time I did, okay? It's our anchor and our filter. Anchor, it keeps us grounded in truth so that we don't drift into error. Anyone here? Uh, so a while back when I think I was in like elementary school or junior high, my family, uh, my parents decided to go on a houseboat. Anyone here done a houseboat thing before? Okay, well, a couple of y'all. Okay, so it was my grandparents, my parents, and four of us on a single houseboat for like three days. And by like day two, I was looking for the flare gun to shoot up a SOS. Helicopter come in, save me. Nick, where are you going? I got to find short. Okay. And so there was one night where like, hey, we're not like houseboat people. And so we don't know how all this works. And my dad drops the anchor at night, but the anchor didn't catch. And so lo and behold, thankfully, he kind of woke up late in the evening. But found we were drifting towards the shore, almost beaching this houseboat, which is not good. Okay. Um, and if that thing doesn't set, then we drift kind of wherever the water wants to go. We're not, we're not secure. We're not steady. We're not anchored in truth. And the reason I share that is this, is as we begin to talk about hearing God's voice, it, I would be remiss as your pastor if I didn't talk about how quickly um, charismatic expression can go into toxic situations because we say we have the spirit, we don't need the word, we're going to close the Bible because we have all this fun stuff now. And so I want angelic visitations. Yeah, those angelic, that, that might be demons, okay? Like, I mean, sorry, I'm kind of a theology nerd, so I, I hear about all this stuff that you guys probably don't. But anyways, it's our anchor. It keeps us grounded to what is true and biblical and right and helps us discern. And the second thing, it's our filter. Seth Strick talks about how it's our anchor, and it's also our filter. So we have a couple of air purifiers in our house that has a filter. And what happens is the air, as you know, the air will pass through the filter to collect mold and dust and allergens so that only what is pure comes out the other side. It sucks it all in and it filters out the bad so that the good can come. So any, uh, any kind of revelation you feel like you're getting from the Lord or that somebody else is getting from the Lord for you has to pass through this. And if it, does it, if it starts here and doesn't make it here, it ain't from the Lord because this is the filter. This is the word of God. This filters the revelation. Every thus saith the Lord in, in 2023 bends its knee to God's word. It's under the authority of God's word. It's tested under God's word. It's weighed, it's sifted, it's filtered out through God's word. This is our anchor and our filter. What is the voice saying? God's voice sounds a whole lot like his word. It sounds a whole lot like scripture. And when it doesn't, your antenna should go up and say, you know what, this might not be from God. Thirdly, the question we need to ask, okay, well, who does it sound like? What's being said? Um, is this directly contradicting scripture? If it is, I'm going to flush that down the toilet. Like, God, like if it's a rev new revelation or God's word, God's word always wins. And thirdly, where is this voice leading me? Like if I'm on the phone with somebody, where's this conversation going? Where this voice might be inviting me to something. What are they inviting me into? Where is this voice leading me to go? What's the final destination? Pray for the sick or rob a bank? Right? doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out how to discern that one, okay? So I was, uh, in October 2019, I was at a grocery store out of state with my wife. Jen saw this go down, and some of you might have heard this story, but I felt the Lord wanted me to share it. And I walked past this lady in the grocery store. I'll give you the Cliff Notes version of how this story goes. And the second I crossed uh, cross paths with this lady, uh, she doesn't have any kids with her, I immediately hear a still small voice flash across my head, and it says, pray for this lady's kids. Just boom, I just boom. Pray for that lady's kids. Which lady? Whoa, that was crazy. All right, well, let's see how this goes down. And I'm, I'm, I check out. She's behind me. There's two cashiers there, my wife. And all of a sudden, I just look at her, and I ask her a really weird question that, looking back, I should have never asked her. I said, hey, do you have kids? It's a really weird question to ask somebody in public. I don't know what I'm doing, all right? Stumbling my way through this. She's extremely weirded out, which is the natural response. And she's like, uh, yes. And I go, hey, I feel like God wants me to pray for your kids. 
right now. And then she's even kind of more weirded out. And she's like, uh, okay. But like the impression I was getting was like, go do that outside, you weirdo. Like there's people around. This is embarrassing for you. But then I was like, no. Like I felt pretty strongly that I, I, this was the voice of God. I wasn't sure, but I wanted to find out. And I go, no, 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 no. How can I right now pray specifically for your kids? And boom, in that instant, it was like something like broke off of her. And she goes, wow, this is crazy. I just left the ICU. My little daughter has blood clots. There's something to do with her heart or her lungs. She, I didn't know this. I was out of state. Never saw this lady in my life. Immediate direct witness of the Holy Spirit. I've had a, maybe two more instances like this in my walk with Jesus. But hey, where is this? Where is this voice leading me? Uh, I got newsflash for us. Satan doesn't often want us to just go ask people if we can pray for them in public. Right? So if a voice is saying, hey, you don't know this person, but just go see if you can pray for their kids. And, and, and if it flops, you know, well, at least it testifies to the fact that you believe in a living God who's alive and you've seen him do amazing things and maybe you can testify about that. But me acting upon that just in, in humility and, and there's a whole lot more to that story, but that was, that was the Lord. Jen saw it go down. That was the Lord. And it was the Lord healing this mom's heart. The impression I was getting was that she was a a single mom in a really, really rough spot. It's been through the ringer. And uh, the compassion of Jesus, I don't know where she was at. I don't know if she was a believer, but she surely felt the presence of God, the knowledge of God in her life. Hey, I see you. I know what it's like. I know where you're at. And who knows, maybe with that prayer, her daughter was healed of what, of what was happening, right? Where is this voice leading me? Where is this voice leading me to advance the kingdom of God for the glory of Jesus or to advance my own kingdom? Where is this voice leading me? And fourthly, and soon to lastly, is this. Who else can help me discern this voice? Here are a couple of scriptures that we see, we learn about prophecy. First Thessalonians 5, 19 through 21. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. We see in the first century that people were beginning to despise prophecies. Why? For the same reason you and I despise prophecies, because it's been abused. Some of us personally have experienced the toxic nature of the prophetic being weaponized against us, or we've just watched the news and we've seen countless people uh, prophesying party lines and getting it completely wrong, and it's super embarrassing to the reputation of Jesus to our nation. And we're saying, I despise prophecy. I don't want to touch this. Why are we even talking about this sermon series? And scripture says, don't despise prophecies, but test everything and hold fast to what is good. Well, how do we test? 1 Corinthians 14, 29 through 33 says this. Let two or three prophets speak and let the others weigh what is said. Did you guys see that? Let prophets speak and then discerning of God's voice is a group project. Let others weigh what is said. It is a group project. If a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent for you can all prophesy one by one so that all may learn and all be encouraged. And the spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophets. For God is not a, confusion, a God of confusion, but of peace. Notice verse 33, for God is not a God of confusion, but of peace, is not used to say don't operate in the gifts of the Spirit, don't prophesy. It's used in the context of doing it in the biblically ordained way. It's encouraging you to prophesy and to do it in the right way. Let the others weigh what is said. So the implication that we learn from 1 Corinthians 14 and the apostolic instruction inspired by the Holy Spirit is this, is that discerning of God's voice is a group project. So if I were to come and say, uh, you know, to someone in this room right now that, hey, this is what I feel like the Lord has for you and blah, 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 all that stuff, um, I don't get to say if that was from the Lord. The person receiving it does. And the other people who heard it and are invited, they get the final vote. I don't get to say, thus saith the Lord. Y'all get to say, thus saith the Lord. Say, so let me see if that one lands, right? I've been on the receiving end of a prophetic word when I was younger that I was going to marry a certain individual. God told them I was going to be their husband. I said, well, let me take that to some other folks and to my Lord. I don't think that was from the Lord. I'm sorry. Turns out it wasn't from the Lord, all right? Um, and so discernment is a group project. Those giving the word don't decide if it was from God. It's those receiving the word who get to decide. And I think one of the reasons it's so, it's so interesting that we are so averse to prophecy and despising it is because of all the abuse, right? And it's out there. It needs to be addressed, right? When prophecy isn't done in love, it's awful, and it causes a ton of damage. But when it's done in love, it causes a lot of good. But I think sometimes we're ignorant 
that the scriptures already knew that that was going to happen. The scriptures already speak into that. It's no surprise that in, like, it's like, oh, this was a terrible idea. Whose idea was this? We should stop this. No, we should just do it the way the Lord tells us to do it because it's the Father's idea. It's actually a gift. The gifts of the Spirit are a gift from God. It's God's idea for the edifying and strengthening and building up of the church. And so there's never a time in the new covenant age where prophetic words are not to be weighed and tested and filtered by other people in the church and that those who give prophetic utterances are to be held accountable for what they say. And if they get it wrong, to repent of their way and acknowledge that and walk in humility. Um, There's never a time where prophetic utterances aren't to be weighed and sifted by the broader community of the church. So if you were to, say, get a dream or revelation from the Lord, one amazing thing for you to do is to call people, maybe further along on the journey than you, and call them and talk to them and pray with them. It's an excellent way to get discernment. Discernment is a group project. Question number four, who else can help me discern this voice? And I'll conclude with this. Honestly, we will never know if the revelation we get, the thought that crosses our mind or the dream we have, so on and so forth, is from God or not until we act upon it and we obey that voice. We'll often never know until you act upon it. So the question of how do I hear the voice of God needs to be replaced with this question. What would I do if I heard God's voice? Would I actually obey what God is telling me to do? Dallas Willard puts it this way. If you've never read Dallas Willard, make sure you add that to your reading list. Solomon Jagway, you can come on up as I read this quote. Perhaps we do not hear the voice of God because we don't expect to hear it. But perhaps we don't expect it because we know that we fully intend to run our lives on our own and never seriously considered anything else. The voice of God would therefore be an unwelcome intrusion into our plans. Did you guys catch that? The voice of God would therefore be an unwelcome intrusion into our plans. By contrast, we expect the great ones in the way of Christ to hear that voice just because we see their lives wholly given up to doing what God wants. And so the reason I want to conclude with that um, is we have an amazing story that Solomon's going to share of someone taking a risky step of faith, believing a dream was from God that powerfully changed Solomon's life and the lives of countless others, and I'll let him share the rest. As in line with what uh, Pastor Nick has been sharing, uh, someone obeyed a dream, like someone had a dream, that's why I'm standing right here. And so many other things have happened because of that uh, obedience. And one thing that I'm grateful for is that uh, Hazel, her name is Hazel. This was uh, 1996, probably before a lot of you were born. (laughs) But uh, God still spoke to her. She had a dream one night. Uh, She was in Uganda. She had come to just uh, on a safari trip. She, She was a principal in the UK. And uh, she had seven more days to go until her vacation ended. She had a dream that she had to be on a flight out of Uganda, a Sabina Airlines, and she didn't know why she had to be there, but she decided to cancel her trip and make it to the airport. On my end, I was praying. I was a brand new Christian. I was just trying to learn about God. I was actually an atheist. I did not believe there was a God that existed. And while I was uh, going through my journey, I was praying for God to show himself to me. Just reveal yourself to me so that I can know how faithful you can be, right? And so I had uh, three days to go before I got a scholarship uh, from a university here in the U.S. to do a degree in fine art. And they had given me three days to come to the U.S. So I got the visa, but I didn't have the money for the ticket. And I was praying for God for provision for that ticket. And I, once, my ticket, I mean, the ticket that I was supposed to get came in on the same exact day that uh, this uh, Hazel had the dream. And so I made, I made my way to Entebbe Airport, and I'll continue to pray, because even at the airport, I honestly had never been on a flight before. My friends told me, if I get on a plane, I'm going to throw up, the plane is going to shake you. So, so many horror stories that uh, they were telling me, and I had no idea if I had to buy the ticket, I mean, the food on the plane. So I was praying to God, please bring along somebody that can help me on this journey. And I was actually very specific. I told God, you know, I've been reading that you're faithful, that when we ask, you hear our prayers. 
I say that uh, I wanted to be a woman because being a dude in Uganda, you really don't want to show that you're, you don't know, right? So I was very specific in my prayer that uh, he would bring a, a woman that I could confide in. And so I went inside and sat down, and Hazel was like 10 people behind me. And she had me speak to one of the uh, people at the counter. I was asking for help because I said, uh, is there anyone that can help me? I've never been on a plane before. Uh, and so the attendant said, I'll speak to the pilot, and the pilot will find somebody to help you. So I walk into the airport and sit down. And Hazel comes up behind me and says, uh, are you hungry? And funny enough, in that moment, I'd had a scripture saying that, you know, God will feed the, I mean, the birds, he will dress the lilies. And that is one of my faith, state, uh, like faith uh, scriptures that I was hanging on to know that God is faithful, right? So when she walked up and said, are you hungry? I just told God, in, I was just sitting right there telling God, I am hungry right now. Can you please, you know, provide some food? And she walks up to me and she says she has 5,000 Ugandan shillings that she wasn't going to use in the UK. Well, well, did I want it? So she bought me money and I was like, and to this day she would tell me, the look you gave me when I walked up to you was amazing because I, I was like, God actually answered my prayer, you know? And so this went on and on because I kept answering, asking God, are you able to provide? Do you answer prayers, you know? And so... At this point, I didn't even know that Hazel had had a dream. That's why she was at the airport. I had no idea. I had never seen her. We've never met before. And I grew up in a village in Uganda, deep in Masaka, where I walked around barefoot. I used to see planes fly in the air. I, used to, I didn't know what they were. But here I am speaking to a woman who is on her way back somewhere. I don't even know where she was going. So we, I had a, an eight-hour layover in Brussels. She had a four-hour layover. And so that's why we parted ways in Brussels. So I come to the U.S., and the ne I think three days later, I get a call from the university telling me, uh, why aren't you at the university? I told them that, well, I just arrived. They said, you know, you could be deported. I said, uh, I didn't know that. And they said, so did you bring the money for the tuition? I said, you guys gave me a scholarship. They said, no, we didn't give you a full scholarship. So you have to come up with the money, and you have to make it to the school. So the only thing that I could do was pray. And Hazel had given me uh, her number, and she said, if you ever need someone to pray with, please call me. So I called her up uh, in the UK. I didn't even know about time difference. <laughs> it was very <laughs> And uh, so I told her that this is where I am. Uh, the school is asking me that I need to be at the school right now. She said, all right, I'll, I'll pray for you. The next morning, I get a call from the school. They tell me, but this is a big story, so I'm trying to condense it as much as possible. And uh, the school tells me that, hey, why aren't you at the airport? <laughs> I said, what do you mean? I said, someone has already paid for your ticket, and someone has already paid for your tuition until you graduate. And Hazel had done that. And so in her meeting me at the airport, she had figured out that God had called her to meet me in that moment. And what's amazing is that because of her obedience, to this day, we were able, together, we were able to start a school, and as we speak, there are 900 orphans right now that are getting free education in Uganda because of her obedience. So I'm going to wrap it up, <laughs> Nick. But what I encourage you to do is that uh, I think what I've learned about God as I've gone through this journey is that he shows up when there's a desperate need, right? I was desperate for God. I wanted to know him as much as possible. And he met me in my desperation, and he answered my prayer, but he answered way more than what I was asking for. So even when you get something, you get an inclination. I think last Sunday, Shannon was talking about how she went into this laundromat, and then people rejected her, and then she stepped out. But in the back of that laundromat was a young man who was needing prayer, right? I was that person when Hazel you know, responded to that obedience. So please listen to God's voice and have that desperation. Thank you so much. Solomon, that was beautiful. Thank you. Band, you can come on uh, forward. And I don't know about you, but stuff like that stirs my faith. That's something you'd hear in the book of Acts, right? Someone gets a dream, hey, cancel your trip plans, go to the airport like now and see what happens. And someone just obeys the dream. Hey, God could very, that very well might have been the Lord. Let me just see what happens. 
meets up with Solomon, changes his life, changes his family's life, and oh, by the way, 900 orphans in Uganda right now. All that came about what? Through someone being yielded to the voice of God in their life. That is why we want to obey the scriptures when it says earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you prophesy, because there's 900 orphans in Uganda who are on the other end of, of, of I think her name was Kendall, obeying that verse, obeying the prompting of the spirit through a dream. And uh, so that's what our God is doing. Let's posture our hearts. Let's, let's quiet our hearts for prayer, prepare our hearts for communion. And uh, I'll pray. We'll take communion and sing to our king. Father, we, we come before you grateful, Lord Jesus, that you're the God who can do abundantly more than all we ask, think, or imagine. We thank you, Lord, that you're not done advancing your kingdom. Uh, the needs, that, like, like Solomon was saying, the desperate needs are all around us, God. And so instead of us crying out, Lord, to hear your voice, I just ask, God, you would grieve us with what grieves you, God. Fill us with compassion for the broken and the hurting. And may we, may we be like Isaiah who says, here I am, Lord, would you send me as your vessel, as your mouthpiece, as your hands and feet, would you send me? So God, would you right now give us compassion, give us a, a new joy and love and affection and delight for you? And Lord, would you revive us again to, to get the focus off of ourselves and just our plans and our voice and our agenda and our, and our retirement, Lord God? And we, we truly mean it when we pray, God, your will be done. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. We thank you, God, for your voice that you break into our many kingdoms and you disrupt our plans. And we, and we, and we quiet our hearts and we open up our hands and we say, God, would you do it again? Maybe you've done it again in our past where you've disrupted our plans, you've disrupted our days. And it's been such a beautiful interruption because somebody's life was changed through it. So God, would you soften our hearts? Would you open our ears to hear your voice? But most importantly, you need our heart. You don't need our ears. So would you get our heart this morning, God? We say, Lord, we want what you want, God. We want your kingdom to advance. We want the broken to be healed. We want the lost to be saved. We want the weary brother and sister in Christ to be strengthened and encouraged. So give us your heart, God. And we love you, Lord, and we thank you, God, that you haven't abandon us you haven't forsaken us but you're present with us you delight in us you love to abide with us you love to communicate with your people you who have given us your son how much more would you give us all things and that's what we celebrate with communion is you being a god of abundant grace and abundant mercy a god of abundance so we bless you and it's in your beautiful name we pray amen